1: News Headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to
2: the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Geraldo is, too. Congressman Michael Walton, studio Ben Dominich. Big hour. What a week. I mean, my goodness, what a week. Also, I've been lucky enough to host the 8 o'clock hour uh, doing this show, and they're going to do One Nation Saturday at 8. So we have a lot to go over, great guests to get to, and fantastic stories. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When he gets there, the communique gets issued in a
3: successful trip. But just to go for the sake of going, in my view, is, is, a, is a mistake, And it diminishes our stature in the minds of the Chinese leadership.
2: Yeah, but it's embarrassing. The secretary, Secretary Blinken begging for and is getting his meeting in Beijing right now. He should be making demands instead of making concessions and making it worse. And American CEOs arriving in China to kiss President Xi's ring is not
4: helpful. Number two.
5: What I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are, are, are you going to throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh, Joe? Are you going to get in and do it? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and
2: chirp? Yeah, Governor DeSantis in Fort Pierce, Florida. Get off the bench, pick up a bat, grab a helmet, lace up the cleats, whatever phrase you want. That is the message to Gavin Newsom from Ron DeSantis after weeks of mocking criticism. Plus, a former president calls out Tim Scott and the GOP side expands.
4: Number one. Why did I ask such a question?
2: Yeah, he's getting a little testy, all right? Getting angrier. Over the last 10 days, investigators ramping up and pressure rising on Joe Biden and his family to start exposing the millions that flowed through their family and their partners by the tens of millions and for the Biden family, the worst is yet to come. Uh, I just talked to a high-ranking official. Uh, they are moving much faster than I'm sure the Biden family is comfortable with. They thought they'd guard their own finances, and they said there will not be a problem. That's not where the Republicans are going. Geraldo Rivera joins us right now. Uh, I've gotten all of his taxes, and I'm going to be reading them out loud next hour. Geraldo, uh, and he is co-host of the Five Fox News correspondent at large, best-selling author. Geraldo, welcome back.
6: Delighted to be here, Brian. Delighted. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting being with you debating the uh, the subway vigilante uh, uh, this morning on Fox and Friends. Uh, here we are. I'm on yeah. Long Island, by the way. I'm, uh, I'm near your church.
2: Uh, where are you? Well, you don't have to give me the exact location, but
6: I mean, I use Nassau, or Suffolk <laughs> Hampton County. Hampton Bays. Look, no, Hampton Bays, looking out at uh, Wow at Dune Road and uh, beyond that,
2: the ocean. Wow. So you left Ohio, landlocked. And now you've hidden to the open waters of Long Island. You're very comfortable in multiple locations, uh, Geraldo. I want to bring you to Ron DeSantis and Governor DeS- uh, uh, Gavin Newsom. A lot of people want that matchup. I love I that 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 uh, DeSantis said before I even engage you, get in the race, All right? I love that. Well, I
6: I think that he's daring uh, you know the insurgent, sure. uh, Gavin Newsom, to get in against Joe Biden. Uh, But this is a dream come true for people who want a full, fair election that is uh, relevant to current affairs. I think that Ron DeSantis against Gavin Newsom gives both sides exactly what they want, Uh, you know, in terms of ideology, in terms of politics, in terms of youthfulness, in terms of vigor, energy, vision. uh, I I admire both these these men, and I, I really believe that this is the matchup America wants. I, d- I don't know if it'll happen uh, because of the cranky old timers on uh, on both sides of the Republican and Democratic uh, field in the presidential race. Uh, but I uh, I believe that this right. is the generation that people most people want.
2: I'll, I'll tell you more. Uh, more people I know though are digging in for Trump, uh, very much so. And you know Governor DeSantis, when I go out and do these things, he's getting more of a, a reaction. But now with uh, the ind- if, when the indictments settle down, I just want to get back to the issues. You know, I want to get a done with the Georgia January 6th. When you know it's going to be an indictment. And then let's just do this thing and let's get to well, the issues you know, that matter. If you ask the American people, the economy is number one by a long shot.
6: How bizarre will it be for President Trump to be the nominee when he's under indictment in multiple jurisdictions? Crazy. Now, there's nothing in the Constitution to bar him from running he could even be convicted there's nothing in the constitution uh, that uh, that prohibits a candidate even after he's in jail uh, from running for president so he could run for president and um, and and people uh, with felony convictions will not be able they will be barred uh, due to state law often uh, from uh, from voting so it is it is a stupid kind of situation i'm so sorry that uh, president trump got himself in this jam uh, you know, partisanship played a malignant role. I have no doubt, uh, but so did his own conduct. And uh, uh, now, I, I don't want the United States, uh, uh, the people of the country, to be distracted by the need uh, to show loyalty to someone who is a, a convicted felon or certainly an indicted.
2: Uh, well, in he's, uh, he's definitely indicted, but as you know, indictment possible. doesn't mean conviction by a long shot. and He definitely has an you know, offense. Not by a long yeah. shot.
6: Not by a long shot. But I believe Bill Barr is the best lawyer in D.C. Bill Barr says the case, this document case, which I hate. I hate the document case. Uh, still, Bill Barr says that, uh, uh, you know, that indictment is loaded. It's very difficult to fight the Fed. When you go against the Feds, uh, you know, they have unlimited resources, a lot of smart uh, smart people. Uh, I, I I fear for uh, President Trump's uh, uh, future, and, uh, you know, I don't want this for him. I don't want him to be president, but I don't certainly right. do not want him. To be facing, uh, uh, I,
2: I see. I want to talk to you about DeSantis, bail. and I want you to talk about DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. But just on this, he's got a $100 million to spend on lawyers, and evidently he's got people. As long as he can uh, – these lawyers have to demand immediate access. Do a Nikki Haley. I'll do this if I have access to you. No more people screening me. No knuckleheads at Mar-a-Lago screening who gets to talk to the president. His legal team needs direct impact with the president, and I think he'll be able to get out of this also – I hear there's some legitimate, and I've heard this from uh, people we both respect. a legitimate case for tossing out the Evan Corcoran portion of the testimony, where I the agree. where his attorney his attorney was forced to testify against his client. I and absolutely out, you agree. do so that we won. Number two, other the evidently the heavy hand of Jack Smith was put on a lot of these witnesses, and they have some direct proof and might result in a lot of that being tossed out. So uh, there's a there's a way to attack the case and the indictment that we saw. And everyone should keep their eye on this, because the only thing we heard from Judge Cannon yesterday is, hey, lawyers, get yourself security cleared, because you're going to be dealing with a lot of highly classified documents. And I don't want people saying that, well, you know, I'm not cleared. I can't see that. There can't be any conjecture. So get ready uh, to dig in. So I want to bring it to DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. I give you Gavin Newsom looks the part. But the stats are awful on this guy. Since last year, uh, his in terms of education, thirty-three percent of fourth graders are proficient in math, and forty-two are proficient in English. He's running a thirty-three billion dollar deficit in his state. From two thousand nine to two thousand twenty-two, he's got minus four percent growth. Florida twenty-three percent, Texas twenty-one percent, and get this: California has eleven percent of the nation's population. And thirty percent of the homeless population, and between twenty and twenty-two, he has lost five hundred. Between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-two, I should be clear, he has lost five hundred thousand people. Florida gained seven hundred thousand, and Texas eight hundred eighty-four thousand. You Used to live there. You know how beautiful that state is, and how how crazy it is that people are leaving. Well,
6: I used to live in uh, in in both those uh, both those states, and I, I think that a lot of what has happened to Florida versus California as a function of the fact that Florida has no state income tax. Uh, that wasn't DeSantis' doing. That was the legacy that It's he always inherited. been there. But I, I think that you cannot, and I hear you in, in, uh, in terms of your uh, uh, enumerating the flaws or the weaknesses right. of Gavin Newsom, but you have to be in the room with the guy. Uh, he's very charismatic. He's very presidential in, the, in terms of uh, uh, his demeanor. Uh, he, uh, he 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 and DeSantis both. I like them both. I like them both because they are uh, they are absolutely appropriate representatives of their generation and of their ideology and of their political parties. And they come the baggage that they have is the traditional. Uh, he's a snob. Or this one's not experienced, or this or that. It's not about, uh, you know, this one is indicted and in that. You know, it's. it's uh, right. I think President Trump is 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 really distracted and and fatally flawed in this. I, I hate to say it. It's a tragedy. You know, I loved the guy for many many years. I backed him. Uh, it's just that uh, when January 6th happened, I just couldn't go any further.
2: But I'll tell you, uh, in terms of his team, as I mentioned, and I got to I got to take a break. Michael Waltz is coming up, Araldo, and, uh, and you're in the Hamptons. And I think it's time for you to put on your wetsuit and go out there and ride some waves. <laughs> That's exactly my plan. I know you I got a brand new way. a brand new boogie board, but uh, you, you're able to buy at the local surf shop. You don't have to travel <laughs> it with you from Ohio. Uh, and just the, the, only thing, the only thing I would say is uh, Donald Trump's got the best. He's got his best. Uh, campaign team he's ever had, uh, and uh, they are organized. They are consistent, and they got a game plan. He needs Alan
6: Dershowitz. He needs Alan Dershowitz. No, I'm talking he about needs... campaign.
2: Just pure campaign. I know,
6: I know, but uh, you got to get the lawyers. Yeah, first, Dershowitz uh, says
2: he's only gonna he only serve a client once, and he did already during impeachment. But you could probably yeah, well, talk to him.
6: That's too good. You need someone. Right. You need somebody of that stature. You need someone. You need a magnificent, self-confident, well schooled. Right. Uh, you know, not personally ambitious. A uh, person is going to go out there and do the job. One of the most sacred rights is the lawyer-client privilege. I hear you. If I, or a spouse, a spousal privilege or priest-penitent. Uh, there are privileges in the law for a reason. They right. want people to be able to talk to their lawyers, to talk to their spouses. You know, uh, and, I, and, and I tell you, Geraldo,
2: I, I know you're into sources. I have a source that Erica would never flip on you. So I think you're pretty <laughs> – all your secrets are good with her.
6: I, I think that you're absolutely right. right. that Thank right. Goodness. You're
2: my second source then. Geraldo, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, okay, right. He's the great Geraldo Rivera. Out in the Hampton Bays. His birthday is pending. Congressman Michael Waltz in studio, then Ben Dominic right after that. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: They promised uh, a long time ago they would meet with the Dalai Lama. They never did that. They promised they would come to the nuclear arms control talks. They never did that. This is the list of things that uh, Secretary Blinken ought to have negotiated in advance so when he he gets there, the communique gets issued in a successful trip. But just to go for the sake of going in my view, is is a, is a mistake, and it diminishes right. our stature in the minds of the Chinese leadership.
2: One of America's premier China experts, Michael Pillsbury, uh, a key aide to President Trump, too, uh, weighing in on how ridiculous it is for the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, to go to Beijing today. And he had to beg for the meeting, got scolded publicly for the whole world to see 48 hours ago, and still went. Michael Waltz here, uh, House Armed Services Committee uh, member, uh, also Green Beret. Congressman, what do you think is going to come out of this meeting?
8: I, I think you're ha- – th- Michael Pillsbury is absolutely right. I recommend everybody read his book, 100-Year Marathon. Uh, I think at the end of the day you're handing the Chinese Communist Party a propaganda victory that they're going to use internally and importantly to the region, to Taiwan, to Japan, to South Korea, to the Philippines and others where after harassing our ships, harassing our planes – uh, illegal fishing in all of those countries the spy balloon some of their agents just trying to break into our military bases in alaska just last week spy, and now and the spy about, and the spy, the spy base, base in, in cuba, cuba. Our Secretary of State goes on bended knee to them, and, and particularly on the international stage, when you come to somebody, uh, you are coming to them as the supplicant so uh, you,
2: so we bothered you know General Keane just brought this up. he said the first thing you should have done as soon as you got the information is make public all the spy apparatus that was found in that balloon that 's right he called it a silly balloon. He knows unless he's really uh, unless he's really having problems. He knows that was not a silly balloon. No, that was
8: very serious. Uh, and what they've done, they've they put these things in the layer between their satellites up in space, and then what a, a plane can do, where it can loiter. Brian, this thing loitered over our missile sites, over the command and control, and over a stealth bomber base. For five days with sensitive collection uh, sensors and antennas, right? Not to mention, again, once again, the propaganda victory uh, where China is saying, look at America, declining power, can't even deal with a balloon.
2: Meanwhile, the fact of the matter is their economy is struggling. And now they have unemployment at 20 percent for 18 to 25-year-olds. They have a, a growth that was way short of what people thought. Now they're doing a stimulus into their economy for infrastructure projects. Right. They, they basically jobs program. need yeah. a jobs
8: program. But but that's, that's why they're rolling out the red carpet for the CEOs, for American CEOs. While raiding American companies. While raiding American companies, while hacking companies, while stealing their IP. I mean – Right, you know, Bill Gates is over there. Microsoft, to operate in China, has to hand them their source code and has to hand them any vulnerabilities that they discover in order to keep operating under their cybersecurity laws. So here we have a major, America's major tech companies handing them the keys to the kingdom that the Chinese hand over their hackers and then attack us with. It's despicable.
2: Let's talk about what's happening in the Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, the counteroffensive – uh, right now is is going in a very organized, but a very they're making marginal gains. Does yep. that surprise you?
8: No, often, I was a I was a tank officer before I was a Green Beret. The offense is a lot harder than defense. You're pulling together infantry, armor, intelligence, artillery, air support, uh, and uh, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough slog. Zelensky knows uh, that he has to show success here. For the message it will send to continued international support, both in Europe and in Congress. They 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 have to have a big win.
2: Right. Uh, and they got to make major gains through this summer. That's they're right. Trying, they're hitting in three separate locations. Yep. Oh uh, they say that this is is it at the right term probing action? Yeah, see. right now they're
8: probing for their defenses, and, and how this has worked is that they have a breakthrough. What's so diff- difficult to coordinate is then you have to punch through that and punch through the enemy lines and get into their rear. But you have to do it quickly before the Russians can seal uh, their, their defensive line with their own reserves. Uh, but but look, Brian, I mean this, is, this isn't this is going to be easy on their part, and what Zelensky absolutely needs is access to the Black Sea. I believe their main objective still uh, is that so Mariupol, to
2: Mariupol it, right,
8: is to get those ports back because they're choked off economically right now and to get that nuclear power plant back, which was responsible for a third of their electricity. But do they have to take it back via land? Uh, amphibious operation, even harder. And they, they just really don't but have, they don't have capabilities. the capabilities. Yeah, they don't have the Navy. They don't have the capability.
2: Right. So going back to Mariupol, the famous steel plant yep. uh, where the, all these guys, the Azov's yep. uh, held out for the yep. longest time, uh so is from what you know and they can share, is that feasible? And is that something that we might be seeing engaged shortly, or is that going to be – Weaving through a a few towns first.
8: Yeah, I think it's feasible. Um, And there are some analysts who think the flooding of the dam, if you look at if you kind of look at the map, uh, that closed off one of the avenues coming from Kyrgyzstan. That could have kind of rolled up that land bridge, which allowed the Russians to then focus on 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 their northern lines. But, you know, just going back to the support, Brian, we have to see the Europeans step up. We're, we're, we're hearing talk of a deal with the administration, a long-term funding deal, which, oh, by the way, Congress will have a view on. Germany and France in particular are providing a fraction – of what they promise, They're promising a lot publicly. They're actually delivering a fraction. I'm introducing a measure that will match dollar for dollar. Either we pull ours back to match theirs, or they step
2: up to match ours. Everyone would be in support of that, uh, including critics of the operation would say they just want to make sure they get the most for their dollar. Thanks, Congressman. Stick around. All right.
1: information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
5: what i would tell him is you know what stop pussyfooting around Are, are you gonna are you gonna throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh joe are you gonna get in and do it or are you just gonna sit on the sidelines and chirp so why don't you throw your hat in the ring And then we'll go ahead and and talk about what's happening.
2: So Governor DeSantis now is an official candidate. So when Trump does something, he can fire back if he chooses. Uh, Obviously, it makes sense now. I don't think he has a choice. And then when Governor DeSantis wants to call him out and say, I'm going to arrest you when you come to raise money in California, he's like, bring it on. And they want to debate. He's like, not unless you're a candidate. It's brilliant. Ben Dominich joins us now. Speaking of brilliant, Fox News contributor, editor at large for The Spectator World, host of the Ben Dominic podcast. And Ben, special treat, Congressman Michael Waltz. I came to financial agreement with him. We'll stick around for a few minutes with us. So I just just uh, both of you you could just all up board with that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. We didn't see the exchange of money. It's just rumored. He should be paying
0: you, Brian. Right, again, caught on tape. Another
2: tape scandal of the Republican. Uh, So, Ben, your thoughts about DeSantis doing that to Gavin Newsom?
0: Well, you know, here's the thing that I I wish that, uh, you know, would be happening. I wish that that kind of Commentary. First off, there's kind of a pot kettle black kind of thing going on here when it comes to, you know, how long DeSantis came to uh, to throwing his uh, hat in the ring. But I really wish that, you know, people would stop, you know, pussyfooting around the biggest stories that are going on in their party. You know, with with Gavin Newsom, I think the number one question is, do you think that Joe Biden's too old to be president? Uh, And I think that that's the dominant sort of set in stone thing that's not going to change between now and Election Day. And then I think when it comes to Ron DeSantis, I think the question is, do you think that what's what's happening with you know Donald Trump's legal troubles you know make him uh, a poor nominee for the Republican Party and why? And I wish that people would stop sort of you know engaging in these euphemisms and caveats and t- saying you know, talking generally about. I mean, but you, you saw know that why, ben. ben?
2: But you know why? Yeah. Because if yeah. you want to take on Trump, but if you beat him and lose his voters, you can't win. So you well, always try to thing. straddle that line.
0: <laughs> But this is the thing. I think straddling that line was something people tried in 2016, and I think it didn't work. And that doesn't mean that you need to be mean to the voters or mean to their priorities. I think it just means you have to be frank with them, which is, look, if you want to set up, uh, if you want a situation where you're likely to win the White House and be able to get the things done that we need to get done, then we need eight years to do it. And you're not going to get that with Donald Trump. And you're less likely to beat Joe Biden if you nominate Donald Trump. And the reason that that's true is that all of these different things that we know about him, namely, you know, the legal challenges that he faces. Uh, the the fights that he has that are so tied to him personally that he, they distract him from fighting for the country and I think right. that this is the kind of um, message that people have to be talking about more blatantly as opposed to this, you know in Iowa they all talked all of them in one way or another about we need a new generation of leadership at the Joni Ernst event okay well explain to me why because there are a lot of people out there who think you know there you know we we ran this with Trump before and we really liked you know a lot of the things that he did we'd like to do it again well then why is do we need a new generation of leadership. Well, you know, here's why. And I think that the, that explanation needs to be All offered right. to the voters. And you're never going to get, you know, those most diehard Trump supporters to come over to you. But you do need to convince the, the portion of Trump supporters currently that you are a better candidate. And unless you are able to do that, I do not believe that you'll be the nominee.
2: Congressman, what's your thoughts? You've already endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah, look, but I think uh, – I mean I think
8: Ben raises some great points, but I think the underlying premise with these candidates is you can have all of the things that Donald Trump brought America in terms of policies. You just don't get the drama with them, and I think it's just a fundamentally flawed argument. I don't think you get those policies. You don't get the Trump policies without Trump. You don't get the Space Force, the border control, the new NAFTA that you know no one said he could do, the the veterans reform, the Abraham Accords without an absolute disruptor willing to blow up the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. You don't get SpaceX without Elon Musk. You don't get Apple without Steve Jobs. Uh, and I just think at the end of the day that that argument's going to fall flat. And we're seeing a consolidation uh, around Trump because everybody sees uh, this completely out of control, biased Justice Department. Throwing everything they've got at the guy, and then people are naturally inclined to 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 defend that.
2: And Ben, some people say too that yeah, I want you to respond. But a lot of people think that that's true. The Justice Department has exercised to get him, and obviously he's been targeted. But he does put his chin out, right? He does (laughs) put his chin out and say, "Take a shot." Way too much. (laughs)
0: Well I would say, you know, give him way too he gives him way too much rope I think by this point. You know, we know how much they're after him, we know how much they're targeting him. And and just to circle back to the congressman's point, I understand what you're saying with that. I wish that the president had, as president, been a lot more disruptive than he was. I wish he'd been a lot more willing to fire people than he was, particularly people who were really bad apples within the government. People like what? James Comey. You should ben, have gone for He day was one.
8: firing. Then he was firing a cabinet official every other day and, over a tweet. He wasn't, but he wasn't firing the And way it he got was. the you bureaucracy. Fire, you you need to fire Anthony Fauci. It and got him moving. Not
0: be giving him an award on the way out of the White House. I guarantee you. Know, you
8: I guarantee you. To this day, the Pentagon would still be dragging their feet on the Space Force if he hadn't fired the the uh, the secretary. If he hadn't yeah, fired you Tillerson, you wouldn't. He, no, uh, if he hadn't uh, fired the, the Air Force okay. Secretary, you wouldn't have the Abraham Accords. If he hadn't fired Tillerson, I mean, we could go down well, the but list. He hired and, Tillerson in the first place. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, kind, to, yeah, Condoleezza Rice, off, kind Lisa Rice recommended by, that. To, yeah. yeah, but look, here's here's the thing that I do think is is important to understand. What the Congressman just said about that argument falling flat, I don't hear that argument being made. I hear a lot of, of people dancing around the issue because just as in 2016, they feel like you know if I, if I go after you know, Donald Trump's weaknesses politically, if I, if I lay them out and I say this is why if we nominate him we are likelier to lose and we can't afford to lose, I think that that type of approach didn't work in 2016, and right. it's not going to work this time.
2: I, I, want you, I want to get you to Barack Obama and his comments yesterday so both of you to weigh in before Mike runs out. Uh, here's cut 11. He was on David Oxrod's podcast and decides to set it like a lineup, fi- line up and fire at Tim Scott cut 11.
9: I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. If a Republican who may even be sincere in may saying be sincere. I want us wow. all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty? That is a consequence of, Hundreds of years of racism in the society, and we need to do something about that.
2: So, your thought, uh, uh, Congressman? He says it's up to Tim Scott to define what he's going to do about race relations, because obviously, this this version of Barack Obama thinks we have a huge racial problem in America.
8: Well, that's that's quite interesting. Seeing the new progressive. Uh, Barack Obama, because many in the minority community thought he was too balanced, too colorblind, uh, and were, and was putting together the prop, uh, you know, the I guess the the philosophy, which I certainly support. at The end of the day, we're all American, and that we can't move forward while we're constantly focused on our differences and we're constantly focused on the past. So I this that that statement right there is just proof positive of how the left is uh, dragging. Uh, everyone in the Democrat Party in their direction.
2: And, Ben, the other thing is they don't like a conservative with a true rags-to-riches story with uh, Tim Scott. Go ahead. Have fun with that. I
0: just got it on merit. (laughs) Well, look, I I just think that first off, I find that attitude from Barack Obama profoundly insulting. Um, I am from the same area in North Charleston, a very minority-heavy area that Tim Scott grew up in. Uh, That's where I grew up as well. Um, The idea that he doesn't have a position or doesn't understand uh, poverty or working class challenges in America is absurd. And The simple fact is that the thing that has kept uh, so many uh, minorities, particularly African Americans, in America down for so long is the crippling uh, ramifications of democratic policies right. on welfare, entitlements, and education, and the simple fact that they have never been willing to stand up to the teachers' unions and get these students the kind of of quality education that they need. We spend enormous amounts of money on school districts, you know, all across the country. You know, look at Washington D.C. That's and the right. amount of money that we spend per student, and it is ridiculous the outcomes that they have. Kids who can't read, can't do math, you know, are incapable of functioning in the workforce and have to turn to lives that are completely dependent on others, dependent on the government, or you know, frankly, criminal in many instances. It's absolutely horrible what's happened to these communities, and it is because of democratic policies. And if Barack Obama was going to be the kind of uniter that he had promised us, he would have been willing to cross party lines to work together to try to fix that. Instead, he's just a demagogue. And hearing him again talking about Jim Scott just reminds mm-hmm. me how much he irked me as president. And it's just, right. uh, it's, it's you really know. got to go. Uh, everything uh, wrong, yeah. with uh,
8: triggered. Uh, right. But j- just quick stat. Uh, The poverty rate was flat despite all of the trillions thrown at it from the 1960s and the war on poverty and all of the government institutions set up to deal with it. The Democrats uh, lined up behind. It was flat at 14 percent until 2017 where it declined for the first time uh, in decades. And look at the – Ben, look at the uh, the state Democrat uh, lawmaker in Georgia. Uh, who dared to support school choice, yes. uh, and they are coming after her, despite the fact that her district has a 9% and 11% reading uh, and math proficiency rate. It is because it's just not about the absolutely students. pathetic. They don't care
0: about them. They don't care about the students. They care about the teachers because the teachers right. can vote. That's right.
2: So, so my congressman has to run, but I want him to hear Tim Scott's response first. Cut 13.
10: And I will tell you, the one thing the far left does not want a black person to be in this country is a conservative. It is possible for America to come together, but not because of the color of our skin, but because of the consistency of our value system
2: yeah and you know and byron down's another unbecoming star right yeah. i mean you you've spent some time with him, you know how confident and and coherent he is, especially on financial issues. Uh, And, Congressman, I just want you to weigh in before you – I know you have to run. Well,
8: you know, I came up in the military, and the enemy's bullets could give a damn about race, religion, (laughs) social economic background. They only care that we're American. Uh, And we were on those black helicopters going after al-Qaeda that truly hated us. In the middle of the night, nobody was counting noses uh, in terms of Hispanic, Jewish, or or anything else. But they might now.
2: What's that? They might say, oh, they're absolutely I, need, I need two trying Hispanics on this, that Blackhawk.
8: Yep, that's right, under, under this Pentagon. And 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 Tim Scott's absolutely right, and I think he's a great messenger for it. At the end of the day, the only color we should be worried about is red, white, and blue. That's how we move forward.
2: All right, hopefully I'll see you tonight at 8. Yes, All sir. Right? Okay, uh, right. Congressman, Congressman Michael Walter, I appreciate it. He, he's got to run. But, uh, Ben, stick around. i got a question for you. Sure. Um, this is a great move. This is a great thing that happened to Tim Scott because Tim Scott got called out by The View. He becomes a national story. He goes on The View. I give him credit. And now Barack Obama decides to call him out. So he's got – goes on with Levin. He's going to come on maybe with us tonight. And then we're going to be able to talk about this. So this to me is helpful to Tim Scott politically, don't you think?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I've been writing uh, since he got into the race, I th- I thought that he was the likeliest person to overperform in terms of his appeal, because I think he unites an appeal to a lot of evangelical voters who, you know, might be sort of uh, Pence interested or something like that. But I think that he has a much more compelling story to tell, uh, for instance, than Nikki Haley, something that is also more recent and applicable to, I think, the, the struggles of the past several years, ever since the summer of Floyd. Uh, and the fact is that, you know, we've seen, according. The you know, the Pew Research Foundation had a, a poll this week that said that the decline in support for BLM has been huge. They've dropped, you know, more uh, 27 points, I think, in terms of of popularity uh, from you know their height, and the and the fact that you have a moment now where that becomes kind of just a partisan lever, where you know 80 plus percent of Democrats support it, 80 plus percent of Republicans oppose it. There's a need for an alternative, an alternative vision that says we do have race issues in America. How do we grapple with them seriously and not in a demagogic fashion? And I think that you know Tim Scott does a great job of that. I want to see more of him, and I'm glad that you know they're proving once again that you know, they are so triggered by any kind of, of black conservative who will stand up and, and disagree with them, who has the audacity to do that. Uh, and, and once again, you know, the former president is just, just proving, the, proving that in a very big way.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, to see if there are two more indictments that come down, if it begins to uh, take a toll on his poll numbers, because so far yeah. they've been pretty strong, as you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that one of the things that we were or we're going to see when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump is is that there's. There's a there's differences in terms of the way that people have reacted to this one versus the last one, uh, in the sense that I think that there are more concerns, there are more legitimate concerns related to this, but also I think that there's there's kind of a feeling of fatigue, and it's like is this just going to be the fight? Is this going to be the topic that we have to deal with from now until election day next year? Um, that we're is, we're not going to have any co- other conversation other than about images of boxes and stuff like that, and then you have the Georgia you know thing hanging out there as well. Look, he's going to have to fight through all of this, and and he's proven in the past that he can fight through things. But it takes a toll, and it is a distraction from the kind of things that I think a lot of conservatives and Republicans believe we need to be focused on. And you just mentioned the military. I don't know if you saw that footage of that – the remarks that were given – by a military official, which were completely, by the way, a violation of the Hatch Act, uh, about, you know, making choices about the hierarchy of who should get different jobs based on uh, the the states being comfortable for their lifestyle choices and the like, you know, implying that she was, you know, not sending, you know, uh, people who might be of certain persuasions to different states. You know, that's the kind of thing that just this these institutions are rotted. They are rotted from the inside. And we have to have a complete clean out of them. Um, And, you know, whoever is... Is, uh, is elected, uh, you know, whoever's chosen as the Republican nominee, I think that they need to be someone who's completely dedicated to that and has a plan of right. how to do it.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> it's crazy times. Ben Dominich, <laughs> uh, listen to him on the Ben Dominic podcast. Thanks, Ben.
0: Great to be with you as always.
2: You got it. 1-866-408-7669. That's one of the great things about being in this building. You never know who's going to be able to come by, stick around, come in. Uh, it's always fun. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, back in a moment with your phone calls, One eight six six
1: It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to to your ears,
4: ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Iowa hasn't been as loud as New Hampshire has been, but quietly they've basically said... We're probably going to hold our caucuses the same day. Now, you said that they're going to review the same day as the Republicans, which will be before New Hampshire. Now, you mentioned the DNC is set to review the plan today. Now, I can tell you pretty confidently that they are not going to approve the current plan because the current plan has them ahead of South Carolina. So essentially, Iowa has submitted a plan that they know will almost certainly not be approved. So what that does is it kicks the can down the road. They're going to review it in another two months. I anticipate they're also going to submit a plan that the DNC is not going to approve. And so DNC is going to strip them of their delegates, right? They're out of compliance to the rules, which is also why Joe Biden is probably not going to be on the ballot because Joe Biden says, I'm going to abide by the DNC rules. But what this ends up... Uh, the scenario is that you could have someone like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or some other long shot Democratic primary candidate win those first two contests. And then you have a few weeks of like sort of weird coverage before South Carolina, where we should note Joe Biden is almost certainly going to win. He's almost certainly going to be the nominee, but it might be an unwelcome few news cycles for him.
2: Absolutely unwelcome as a sitting president just because you want to be in South Carolina. What's your problem? Go in Iowa. Barack Obama won it twice. Go to New Hampshire. Well, you know, Barack Obama won it. Bill Clinton won New Hampshire. I think Hillary Clinton might have won New Hampshire. Come on. I mean, whoever heard you're changing everything for an 80 year old president because, I don't know, because he did so terribly in both those states? Well, I mean, he's basically running unopposed. Let's see what happens. Uh, but that was uh, that was Alex Thompson, MSNBC. Uh, he was on MSNBC, but he's an Axios national political correspondent. Some of your emails are coming in. Here's from Raymond on the Gavin Newsom situation. Regardless of his talents or lack thereof, Newsom looks like the lounge lizard from a failed soap opera. He looks like he should be swindling uh, dowagers. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I cannot imagine voting for him even if he was a conservative. Either do I. I mean, I know he looks the part and that. Geraldo got caught up in that. But I also had people who has been in the room with him and he goes an inch deep on all policies. He wants the celebrity portion of being governor. He doesn't want to be governor. That's why he was almost recalled. That's why you listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. Don't forget uh, One Nation Saturday at eight o'clock and tonight at eight o'clock uh, Fox News tonight. Uh, don't miss it. Great lineup. I'll go over it later. Brian Kilmeade show.
1: news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian kilmeade
7: Why did Joe Biden volunteer during the end of the Obama administration to to fly around and, and hand out foreign poli- foreign aid checks and to talk about foreign policy? Uh, look, we, we tracked down the money in Romania J- less than two weeks after Joe Biden left Romania in Air Force Two. His family started getting wires through shell companies that were laundered back down to Biden's less than two weeks after he left Romania for foreign aid. So everything we found in Romania is consistent with what this FBI 1023 form alleges that the FBI had. I can't think of a worse thing that a president in history has done. This is a president who has a history of using foreign aid and leveraging for his family's benefit. Look at that form 1023. It dated back to 2017. It said that uh, the oligarch paid Joe Biden a bribe of $5 million. He called Joe Biden the big guy. And he said that investigators would have an impossible job of ever tracking that money down because they were going to launder it through various different banks and shell companies. That's exactly what we've proven on the House Oversight Committee. And then you have the tape from 2017 where Joe Biden admitted to leveraging foreign aid tax dollars. So the FBI knew this all along, yet they never investigated this
2: one time. And I just wanted people to hear this. James Comer, very coherent, very crisp. to let you know what he knows and doesn't know. He didn't say what if. And apparently, this is what the deal is. He did not ask for the Biden records, financial records. He didn't say, give me the Biden's bank record, uh, TD Bank. Okay, give me all your stuff, uh, Bank of America. Because he knows there's not going to be anything there. On his taxes, they're going to be clean. The whole problem was the shell companies that they set up overseas, headed up by Joe and Jim, excuse me, Hunter and Jim Biden, and what were they doing in all these countries? What was he doing as vice president hand delivering money? Why would you hand deliver a billion dollars? So here from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, that is the story. So I, th- I was fascinated because I was watching CNN at four in the morning today, and I see that they're actually going to cover this story. Thinking, CNN is going to cover an investigation into Joe Biden. I mean, to me, it's an unbelievably big story. And they just haven't covered it. Zero minutes compared to Trump, where it's 290 minutes a day. And they said no proof of a tape. OK, in the uh, in the FBI 1023 is when you sit down and tell, talk to a whistleblower and they and you record it. They say that there are tapes, 17 tapes, uh, and um, two of them have Joe Biden's voice on them. And they say, well, you know, we haven't gotten those tapes, but this is what the informant says. And everything else seems to check out. Uh, accurately, so they keep running the fact that people like Comer and Senator Johnson have come out and said, you know, I don't have any tapes, but we hear there are our tapes. And Senator Grassley said on Monday there are tapes, and he has a right to see those tapes, and we have a right to hear those tapes, wouldn't you think? But for the most part, the media is, is ignoring it because they don't want to hear it. And when you hear Joe Biden make a disparaging comment, First, when people asked, they say you took a $5 million bride, he looked at the reporter. I think it's the New York Post reporter. He looked at him and said, where's the money? Almost taunting. Realizing what he said, he immediately comes back and says, it's malarkey. The next day, a wry smile when asked something similarly. And then you have the anger of Joe Biden. Cut one.
4: Why did the
2: create the FBI for the file to Why is that? Why so did I ask such a dumb question? Dumb question? Hmm. Is that a dumb question? Something that's in the news through the oversight committee's investigation, putting out their hard facts for people to challenge. He will not sit down for an interview. He doesn't give out press conferences. He pre-screens the question and reads the answer. Uh, as a president of the United States, you could say it's a dumb question. I don't think it's a dumb question. Here's Mike Davis. He was on last night with Jesse Cut 4. He's clearly compromised
9: and that's that that is a that's a huge problem. Remember Obama puts Biden in charge of Ukraine when when B- Biden was the vice president and Russia took Crimea. Now Biden is back as the president and r- Russia is trying to take the rest of Ukraine and Ukraine is getting a lot of money now. Uh, from America to fund this war, and maybe if Joe Biden weren't compromised and Russia did not know that Biden was compromised, maybe they wouldn't have. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have inv- invaded Ukraine because uh, Russia certainly did didn't invade Ukraine for four years of the Trump presidency.
2: Well, wow. oh, you know that's a huge leap, but in the beginning, you got to wonder if he is compromised. But I think he did. With any good president, American president would be if Russia invades a country that's an ally, as imperfect as they are. We have to unify, and they did. And I do believe that the Iraq Iraq war, excuse me, the Ukraine war is worth every dollar that we put into it because it's our own security against Russia, who will look to just take all of Eastern Europe, most of the Middle East back, and combine with um, China to wreak havoc in our region, in our hemisphere. So far, the media has ignored this whole thing that we just relayed to you. From June 8th to June 12th, Trump indictments got 291 minutes. Same thing, June 8th to June 12th. Biden charisma coverage, zero minutes. That's on ABC, CBS, and NBC. Love the Trump story. Until he speaks, they won't take a speech. But they like him being indicted. They like the B-roll. They like the you see in caravans. We could see right through it. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. So Steve Hilton has done a lot of investigating on this. Things were getting closer. Cut five.
7: It's a very relevant question, because it goes to the heart of the integrity of him, the White House, the presidency, and it's hilarious the way he's just responding like this crotchety old man, how dare you ask me that question? Trump had questions like that thrown at him when he was president, like a dozen times a day. He didn't Mm -hmm. respond like that most of the time, and what it really shows, actually, um, is how fawning the press have been over Biden. He's just not used to being challenged on anything. They've treated him with kid gloves for all these years. Finally, maybe some of them, there's a a bit of spine there.
2: Yeah, and I do believe that. I I do want to touch on one other thing, and that's the sparring between Governor Ron DeSantis and Governor uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. Newsom looks the part he's a terrible governor. I saw this. 33% uh, of third graders in California can read with proficiency. 42%, no math. Minus 4% of population over the last year. Minus four. This is one of the most picturesque, diverse states, the biggest state in the country, and people are moving out rather than live there for the first time ever. I mean, the numbers are embarrassing. They're the ones who gave us the rolling blackout, but yet they want to outlaw, and they're going to start banning the sale of combustion engine cars. So Florida has grown at uh, 20, uh, Florida is plus 23%. Texas is up uh, 21%. And minus 4% in terms of growth is California. Uh, You also have this. California has 11% of the nation's population and 30% of the homeless population. How does that feel? What is that like in Santa Monica and Newport Beach, wherever you go? And this isn't because the rents are high, as Gavin Newsom said, which is an insult. And for me, 2020 and 2022, California has lost 500,000 residents. Think about how many tax dollars. Florida has gained 700,000. Texas, $884,000. And you also have California with a $32 billion deficit, $33 billion surplus for Florida. Yet, Governor Newsom keeps calling out Ron DeSantis. He, ladies and gentlemen, does not care. Cut nine.
5: He's got huge problems in his state. I mean, like, (laughs) huge problems in his state. We all know that. I mean, you see it in San Francisco, you see it in L.A., you see it in the people fleeing. California, from its inception, gained population every single year until he became governor. I mean, California was probably the height of opportunity for middle class Americans for many, many decades in this country, no one would leave there. Yep. You know, you would go. People were drawn to there. And yet, he's the first governor that's overseen a, a massive exodus. Out of California,
2: and he wants to arrest Governor DeSantis. Why? Because he's bringing illegals there. Why? Because these border states are being overrun. He's got his National Guard at the border. That's costing Florida a ton of money. That's the policies of people like Gavin Newsom, who made themselves a sanctuary state. Don't really enforce the border. If you get, if you come, you get to stay. No fear of being removed. Which leads him to say this to Governor DeSantis because he's desperate to change. The narrative, cut eight.
1: You would do a two-hour debate with Ron DeSantis.
2: I make it three, three-hour um, debate. With, yeah, make so it. I, hear I mean, four. And, and do, do it four, four, with four, one hundred. day notice, with no notes. I look forward to that. Governor Ron DeSantis responds, cut seven.
5: What I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are, are you gonna, are you gonna throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh, Joe? Are you gonna get in and do it, or are you just gonna sit on the sidelines and chirp? So why don't you throw your hat in the ring? And then we'll go ahead and and talk about what's happening.
2: Yeah, that's a great line. And he couldn't have delivered it last month before he got in. He's kind of waiting. He also says that Trump's going to eat his lunch. Perhaps he's doubling him right now. Let's see what happens. All of you, the stat show, the ratings reveal. You want to talk about other candidates, too? We will do that. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. And we have a new contender we have Mayor Suarez, and I'll, you'll hear from him in a moment. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'll take some of your calls. Also, briankilmeade.com, uh, click on comments, and I can read them out loud. Already getting some. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Hey, we are back. Uh, Justin Moore, country music superstar, will be joining us shortly. He's got a big hit song out right now, uh, and uh, we'll be talking to him in a matter of moments. I'm also going to interview him for the Saturday night show. Uh, He has flat out said, Governor Huckabee, I'll play at your inaugural, and he did. He has flat out endorsed Donald Trump, and he says it's kept him from things like the CMAs and his music from winning awards. Do you believe that? That's what he mentioned today. He was playing on on the Sunday, excuse me, on the concert series today. So uh, we were talking about the big three, and it is basically the uh, Secretary of State uh, is in China, and he's begging to keep communication open, and I think it's pathetic. Uh, President Biden snaps at a reporter. We've been playing that and Governor DeSantis, sparring uh, sparring with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Gavin Newsom. But the other big story that happened last day afternoon, David Axelrod sits down with Barack Obama, at which time he wasn't really talking about Joe Biden. His running mate, his best friend, they exchange a uh, bracelet. I guess they exchange rings or bracelets, and they might just do it again. But he was talking about Tim Scott. You would think, hey, it's good to see the diverse after all. The guy's retired. Why is he still in Washington? He's the only president to ever retire in Washington, I think. Usually, people can't wait to get out of there. You could just, but I know he lives in Martha's Vineyard a lot of the time, in that horrible house right on the water, worth millions of dollars. So, Barack Obama has talked about Tim Scott. Not Joe Biden, not RFK. He's talking about Tim Scott. And listen to what he says. Cut
9: 11. I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. If a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, Mm -hmm. I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of racism in the society, and we need to do something about that. I don't even know who he's talking about. There's
2: racism in every society, but this is a very homogenous society, the most successful multi, multi-country multi uh, uh, culture country in the history of the world. So you think about that. And you know what? You always want to make gains. You want to make gains in technology. You want to rebuild your military. Our racial harmonies is always are striving for. But that's all he's ever talking about. All the first lady, the former first lady ever discusses. And Tim Scott will talk about it all day, but he wants to talk about the issues, his economic background, what he achieved, uh, what he achieved in his life, his own bio, his optimism, his love of country. So Tim Scott fired back, kind of, in his Tim Scott way. Cut 12.
10: He missed a softball moving at slow speed with a big bat. America was hungry for bringing our country together. This coalition building where we could see black kids and white kids, red ones and brown ones, as MLK spoke about, joining hands and singing with new meaning, my country tis of thee. President Biden ran as the great uniter, and he has been the great divider. I have heard more negative things about people under his leadership than I have in a long time.
2: Pretty, uh, pretty insane, because now all of a sudden he's got to defend being a Republican and black. That's the problem, because the Republicans start taking chunks of the black vote just on pure performance. After all, when's the last time you saw an African-American leader at any point? Big, a local, famous, not famous, mayor, governor? Go into these inner cities and try to find out the problem. Try to sew together the families back. Give these kids uh, something else to do. Give them a distraction, a Boys and Girls Club. That's where all the money should have been for the Black Lives Matter. Building up recreational activities where people who want, who maybe want to mentor kids have a place to do it and a team to coach. That didn't happen. But instead, you call out Tim Scott. Tim Scott wants a plan. Well, he had a plan. $100 billion has $100 million plus have been put into these opportunity zones that was into the... Uh, That was put out in the tax reform that Tim Scott helped write for President Trump. Cut 13.
10: And I will tell you, the one thing the far left does not want a black person to be in this country is a conservative. It is possible for America to come together, but not because of the color of our skin, but because of the consistency of our value system.
2: Yeah. And he tries to avoid talking about race all the time. But it's almost impossible when people keep dragging them back in, especially President Obama. They don't want to be in a post-racial America. We have to look back and find out about systematic racism. He says it doesn't exist. And you know what? Just wait for this debate to heat up because the Supreme Court's looking at affirmative action that says you have to have a certain amount from different Hispanic groups before you admit, uh, before you do anything, before you're eligible for financial aid. If they decide that that is unconstitutional, affirmative action no longer needed— That'll be similar to the abortion debate. You don't care about minorities. You only want white people to go to college. That's why you're doing it. And that's what's so insulting. Lastly, Francis Suarez, the mayor of of Miami, uh, made it official. He's running for president, cut 16.
9: It is time for a leader with a record of real results, not just rhetoric, who believes with all his heart in the American dream, who wants to share it with everyone, regardless of race, religion, complexion. It's time for a leader who can connect with segments of our country that Republicans have historically lost, like young voters and urban voters and segments we can make gains with, like Hispanics and suburban women.
2: I think it's an optimistic message, one given at the Reagan Library. He's got of Cuban descent, very popular, very into tech, Crypto, And I don't think it's a negative. Many people do. He's part-time mayor. He's also a lawyer with a thriving practice. I kind of like someone with one foot in politics, one foot out. Why? Because you can't make a living being a mayor, and a successful living in most cities. But what if, in order to establish yourself and give back to the community, you run for office and you serve? And you say, I, I got bills, so I'm still going to stay in my law firm. Some are thinking that's a problem with the Miami Herald. I don't. The great Justin Moore is next. I'm nervous. I'm tingling. And don't forget, tonight at 8 o'clock, I'll see you on the set of Fox News tonight. But right now, I need you today.
1: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
11: Faith in the good Lord. Pray to I get one more day when I lay
2: my head down Oh, uh, there, that is the, that is the uh, fine tunes of Justin Moore. He is now in studio, and Justin was kind enough to come and do our concert series every Friday. Uh, we do a different artist, and Justin Moore has been here before. The country music star is now
11: uh, in studio, cooling off after performing for about 90 minutes, right, out there? Yeah, it was a little over an hour, um which is uh we usually play about 90 minutes. You guys but, w- but they don't warm typically up four in the morning? Yeah, typically we uh we sa- uh sound check at 5:30 p.m., not 5:30 a.m. <laughs> so uh but it was a lot of fun. You got to fire your manager. Who, you
2: can't be doing these morning <laughs> not, things anymore. You're right. you're a big time star now. Uh so the
11: name of the new album is Stray Dog. It is, yeah. You know, I, I've kind of always been dubbed an outcast and um uh, outlaw or however you wanna put it, and I really don't know why. That was not by design on my part. Um uh, but you know, I've been excluded from uh you know, certain T V stations, not Fox thanks to you guys, yeah. um, uh, the award shows and that kind of stuff. And Which so, makes no
2: sense to me. Country music used to be one of the most conservative places around. Yeah. It's really it, changed, right? It
11: has. It has. Um, even in my time, I, I've been doing this now for 16 years, and it's it's changed a ton since I started even. Um, but uh, country radio always been great to us, and um, when the idea was thrown out to me to write this song, uh, by my producer, I go, what the heck we're going to write stray dogs about. And, um, and it kind of turned into a, a, a bit of an, you know, autobiographical type thing. And, and, um, so hopefully fans are digging the album for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, song.
2: and so for 16 years you've been doing it, which, when did you break in at 19?
11: Yeah. Well, I moved to Nashville when I was 18 in Oh two. Uh, I'm 39 from Arkansas now. Yeah. Moved from from home in Arkansas. And um, so, yeah, I I started kind of, you know, trying to get my foot in the door. and, And that happened by way of writing songs. Writing first before performing? Writing first, yes. And then, um, you know, met a lot of people who taught me a lot about the business and the industry and and how to write songs. Because I wrote a lot of terrible songs before I wrote any good ones. Um, you mean looking it, it, back,
2: terrible, or because they didn't? Sell? No, they were
11: awful. <laughs> they were just not. They were just bad. Yeah, I, I, I just was not good. Um, and and so I learned a lot of lessons from from you know my producer and, and a lot of people over the years. And uh, but yeah, I started yeah seventeen, eighteen years old, and uh, got my record deal when I was twenty three, and now I'm thirty nine. So thirty
2: nine and father of four.
11: I am. Yeah,
2: and they were all playing sports.
11: They are, yeah. We we we've got a household full of sports: softball, baseball. Now that I have a boy, uh, basketball. Uh, my thirteen-year-old daughter, a couple of years ago, even played football. Uh, really? So, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a big thing now. Is flag football? Yeah. I mean, yeah, should, you know, she was playing tackle. Foot, she was playing football, tackle yeah. football. So she was a pretty tough, uh, defensive back. So yeah.
2: So so for you, sports means a lot.
11: It does. you know you're an athlete growing up. I was. Um, I'm probably better in my mind than I ever really <laughs> j- truly was. But uh, but yeah, I I, I I think sports are great because you learn how to succeed, you learn how to fail, get um, cut, you get graciously, bench, you win, you, you lose. You know, yeah, I think you, yeah, you learn how to lead, how to be led, how to be a part of a team. I think you can apply it to many different. Factions of your life, and um, you know, I, I, certainly I don't make my kids play, but uh, they kind of got that from me and their mother, uh, my wife, um, that they kind of fell in love with sports at an early age, and I coach them all uh, in basketball and softball and and baseball, and I love it. I love being around the game. Heck, I, I'm on a, uh, I'm a co-anchor of a sports talk show myself Oh, you are. Uh, back in little rock uh, arkansas um do you we, do national stuff or you just do local well i've done a lot of like serious xm stuff oh, okay and, uh, but, so, but you'll but, cover yeah, everything but yeah we cover uh, a lot of national things you know nfl and nba and that kind of stuff but it's mainly because we're in little rock arkansas it's mainly razorback Related.
2: Right. Talking to Lee Bryce and John Rich, both talk about, "Yeah, I got to get home. I, I got a game. Got a little right. game tonight." Yeah. And the good news is, in the in the profession you pick, you do have control of your schedule to a
3: degree. A little right?
11: bit, yeah. Especially at this point. I mean, early on in our career, we didn't. Uh, you know, I remember playing 230 shows a year. Now we play about 80, so I can be a little more selective as far as uh, what we do. And and I usually. Uh, you know, massage that or mold that around, you know, this tournament or district tournament yeah. or for this kid or that kid. And uh, but I love him. I, you know, when when I'm home, I, I, you know, I grew up and I live currently in a town of 300 people, the same place I, I grew up. And uh, when kids come up to me, it's not, you know, Justin Moore. It's, hey, Coach JM. Right. Hey, Coach. Hey coach, and I love that. And you prefer that? So, uh, yeah, it's awesome.
2: So when you did you get into music to be famous or to be successful? Do you want to make an impact? Was part of your imaging like seeing yourself on stage in front of a packed house, or is um, it just just one of those things where I want to write songs that people appreciate?
11: You know, I I've always been a creative person, and I was I was always looking for an outlet for that, and um, you know, I. I Growing up where I did and how I did, I didn't ever realize that this happened to normal people. And nor- by normal, I mean, like, just regular, everyday individuals from a town of 300 people. And my dad actually came up to me because I was a salutatorian in my uh, high school class, which it was, granted, 39 people. Okay. So it's not You're that still impressive. The best. Uh, but... uh but anyway, he he said, "What do you think about playing music for a living?" I go, "I didn't know you could do that. Can I can I do that instead of go to college?" He's like, "Yeah, well, how did, What did you and show go, him? Wow, okay. What did you show him? Well, like, I, had you in, I had sang in church, and um, you know, I I knew I could sing along to the radio and sound like everybody else, but I didn't know everyone couldn't do that. Like people would look at me like, "You <laughs> wow. have a great voice," and I'm like. <laughs> Oh, I thought this was normal, and it you know, I guess it wasn't. And uh and so we started pursuing, you know, and educating ourselves on what you that might look like. Yeah, and my mom obviously, but um but yeah, just you know, what what would it look like if we pursued this and um fortunate to to meet up with my still manager who I'm on a handshake deal with to this day and we've been working together for 21 years wow
2: so he was the um, first
11: one to say this guy's got talent yeah and, and so uh you know at the time especially I, I don't know if it's it's so much so nowadays but you had to move to nashville back then so this was 2002 and and you know i moved there and again to to go over some of the same stuff we did earlier um you know you 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 meet people and they introduce the you to this one and this one and this one. And, and so, yeah, but, the, but the idea originally came from my dad. That's so, point. so
2: interesting because, oh, by the way, we're talking to Justin Moore, uh country music star, Brandy Wild out. Also, you got this hit song with uh, Riley Green. I want to talk to, talk to you about, but it's kind of interesting. Tell me if this is unique. Usually it's the artist has to tell their parents. I want to do something unorthodox. I want to try this music yeah. thing. But this time, you were looking to do that. Let me go to college and see what happens. Yeah. And it's your parents who said you're so talented yeah. in their own special way. Yeah, I was You ve- got to
11: give this thing a shot. Yeah, I was very. Uh, I'm. I was and still am very blessed to have my my mom and dad. I mean, I'm super close to them. I live. My wife and I and our kids live. I don't know, six hundred yards from them. Now, really, um, across a cow pasture and. Um, they so you have super, babysitters should you need yeah, them. Yeah, 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 built-in babysitters. And sometimes they just walk in the house and you're going, oh, hey, Dad, I'm glad <laughs> I'm not in my underwear. Or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, they were super supportive. And, and um, I mean, he goes without saying that ha- had they not been, I would not be where I'm at nowadays. And, and you know, me as a father looking at it going, uh, you know, if 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 my daughter or my son – uh, came to me and said, I'm quitting college after two weeks, which I did, and I'm going to move to Nashville and be a country star, I'd be like, take your ass back to school. <laughs> like, what, what you do? But thankfully my parents did not do that. They paid my bills for a long time <laughs> for me and um, super supportive. But, and, I mean, So you always so. had the
2: drive, and, and you, you were determined to develop the talent. Who in your family had the musical talent?
11: You know, I think think more so from my mom's side. Um, Her brother uh, was one of my earliest influences in music. He's always been in uh, southern rock bands, uh, classic rock bands, and and old school country. Um, The first time I ever played on stage with a live band was with with his. Um, He's still in bands now, Um, but, you know, like... My mom, my mom's uh, parents made them take piano lessons and that kind of stuff. Uh, my my other grandfather could also sing, and my dad can sing uh, as well. But I would say it probably came more so from my mom's side. From your mom's side. So, yeah. and just to, I, I love the fact. Did you did you fear failing when you came?
2: So when everyone's there and your parents are supporting you and they're paying your bills, did it put pressure on you to? to to sell that song to to get in that bar to be able to get get a
11: stage time you know Brian, i don't know why this is uh, it's probably my stupidity uh or my oblivious nature i, I don't know um i just always knew i was going to make it like i i never it never crossed my mind that i would fail and that's not meant to be boastful it just it that it was it was not an option and I, I don't know where I got that. I don't know if it's genetics. I don't know if it's. I have no idea. I just it just never crossed my mind. Having
2: said that, you get there. You're you're twenty one, nineteen, twenty. Uh, when Thanks. I
11: moved there, I was eighteen. So
2: you're eighteen years old. When did you start seeing success? Where you, I can really I can handle my rent this month.
11: Um, you know, I, when I was nineteen, I signed my first publishing deal, which I got paid to write songs, but I got paid twelve grand a year. Uh, so I still had other jobs. Uh, you know, side gigs. Um, when I first got to the point, you I said to yourself
2: "I'm not worried about the next bill that comes
11: out." I would say, uh, twenty two, twenty three. Wow. Uh, my clever. wife and I were living together. It was probably five years or something like that. My wife and I were living together. We were engaged, and I remember sitting at a computer in our uh, dining room of our one bedroom. Uh, condo going, you got to come look at this. We got, we got $65 left over after we paid all our bills. And that was the first time ever. And we thought <laughs> we're going, we're going to Chili's or we're <laughs> going to TGI Fridays, Right. I mean, you would have thought we had won the lottery. It was amazing. And then I, I, following that, the, the first significant check I got was from, I wrote small town USA, which was our first hit record. And, uh, I'll never forget. I'm in Michigan, uh, about to play a show at a club. And my wife calls me and she goes, Hey, I just got a a check from, from BMI. I think they misprinted it because it's got an extra zero. I, I go, Oh yeah, that's gotta be a mistake. And, it wasn't and it was just like wow um so yeah it's uh we've been very very blessed that's awesome
2: but you earned it it's a success yeah. story i mean that's what this country gives you an opportunity whatever your talent yeah, is yeah that's
11: a great thing about america is uh, and and i grew up middle class lower middle class and my parents both took second jobs to pay my bills when i was in nashville trying to pursue this as a career and um you know, that that just, that's a great example, in my opinion, of the opportunities that were presented, but, you know, growing up here. And, is and that certainly, the, is we that the best part, granted. Justin
2: Moore, is to have you, to see your parents see you successful?
11: Yeah. And, and then, um, having the opportunity one Christmas, this was years ago now, um, and my parents still live in the same 1,600 square foot house that I grew up in. Which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. I, I'm not saying that, but having the opportunity to hand them the payment book uh, that it was paid off. Uh, my wife and I paid it off for them. Paid off their house. It paid off their house uh, for Christmas one year, and and watching the emotions go through them, and and me uh, because of that is just to me it, it's full circle. Wow, that's awesome! You know? How many years ago was that? <sighs> probably 12, 13 years ago, wow. something like that. Justin Moore's
2: going to stick around a few more minutes. Uh, he's got also this uh, this song out, but with Riley Green, it's just awesome. going to have more with Justin in just a moment. Maybe talk a little sports. Don't move.
1: You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Now,
11: you can't
2: That sounds a lot like the guy we were just talking to it is. It's Justin Moore performing with Riley Green, and they've put out Everybody Get Along. And by the way, he has a brand-new album out there, Justin Moore, in studio, if you're smart enough to get Fox Nation, uh, called Stray Dog. If we want to download your music, is there a a shortcut Do you tell people? Download the whole album, wherever you get
11: it. (laughs) iTunes? Yeah, wherever you stream your music. I mean, you know, when I first started, it was all... CDs, but those are non-existent now. So it's not yeah, that long wh- ago, where, wherever you yeah stream your music, uh, iTunes. Um, so tell whatever me about the other whatever the other
3: platforms are. We only oh, have like a know. minute. You
11: and
2: Riley Green, how did that come together?
11: Um, I wrote the song five six years ago. Riley and I had met and become friends, and um, I thought he would be great for it. He had just kind of come out at the time, and. You know, I think he's got uh, an incredibly bright future ahead of him, and um, I'm a big fan of his So, mm-hmm. as a person uh, and as an artist. So uh, it was fun to do.
2: Yeah, he's a great guy. Met him yeah, for the first time today, is. and he performed outside. So, listen, you're going to come do the show uh, tomorrow night at 8, right? I am. All right, yeah. Saturday night at 8 on One Nation. And uh, believe it or not, Justin, without your permission, you're playing us out.
11: <laughs> I like it.
2: <laughs> Justin Moore, thanks so much.
1: News Headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for being here and being here all week. What a week it's been. I come to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Uh, This hour is going to be very Fox-centric, which I think is great. Uh, Tyrus. uh, Tyrus, outstanding wrestler, great uh, mind, best-selling author. You always see him on Gutfeld. Uh, He's got a Uh, A best-selling memoir. He's got another one coming out. Great live shows to go over. Jimmy Fallon, another fantastic radio host. Uh, And Shannon Bream is standing by. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. When he gets there, the communique gets issued in a successful trip. But just to go for the sake of going, in my view, is is a a mistake. And it diminishes our stature in the minds of the Chinese leadership.
2: There is Michael Pillsbury. Uh, He knows as much about China as any American. Embarrassing. The Secretary of State begging for and getting a meeting in Beijing. He should be making demands instead of making concessions. That's my fear. And American CEOs making it worse. Arriving uh, by the dozens, including Bill Gates today in China, to kiss the president's ring.
5: Number two. What I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are you gonna, are you gonna throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh, Joe? Are you gonna get in and do it, or are you just gonna sit on the sidelines and chirp?
2: I would love that. Uh, get off the bench, pick up a bat, grab a helmet, lace up the cleats, pick your phrase. That's the message to Gavin Newsom from Ron DeSantis. We'll discuss.
4: Number one. Why did I take your question?
2: That is President Biden snapping at a reporter, calling it a dumb question when asked about his family dealings, getting angry over 10 days. Over the last 10 days, investigations ramping up and pressuring seems to be rising on the president and his family as they start to expose a mystery. Millions of dollars flowing to the family for what exactly are they giving back? Shannon Bream joins us now, anchor of Fox News Sunday. Shannon, welcome back. It is great to be with you, Brian. Right, we have Mayor Suarez on today. He indicated with you last week that he was going to run. He's in uh, in the fray. What does he bring to this to this uh, group of twelve now?
12: Well, he says he brings a different view and that, listen, his parents escaped from Cuba and came to this country uh, at a time when they saw nothing but opportunity, and that's what's happened to him. His dad actually became uh, the mayor of Miami, uh, I believe the first Cuban born. And so he's carried on this tradition. He says, you know, I've had success in private business. I understand how to marry that with public policy. But he notes that, you know, the GOP has what he says is a great opening with Hispanic voters. Um, We saw them bump up the numbers um, for Republicans in the last- round of elections and some people were surprised that president trump did better improved his numbers with hispanic voters as well and so Suarez says he brings all of that to the table he's a fighter and he's ready to get in there
2: i guess so and we'll see and just look at the at flat out the diversity for the longest time republicans were one white guy after another i'm not against white men by the way just for the record what? just for the record uh, okay. if it ever comes up in conversation if anyone's noting right i'm not anti-white um i just wanted to dispel that or male I'm not anti-male either. You're looking
12: out for yourself. Right. And, I,
2: and I do believe we are—we uh, have only two genders. So that's what makes okay. me unique these days. It used to be tradition. <laughs>
12: there you go. But
2: I have so sidetracked, I forgot my original point. But if you look at the, uh, the diversity you have a, of the GOP field, yeah, the Indian American former governor of South Carolina, Ambassador uh, Nikki Haley, and then you have uh, Tim Scott, uh, African American senator from South Carolina. Then you got the Cuban-born, excuse me. The Cuban heritage, but parents born in Cuba, uh, Mayor Suarez, that's a pretty diverse cast. And then you have those other horrible white people also rounding out the field. So it is a diverse cast with a lot of talent. And I think most I I think this is superior to anything that I have seen um, uh, in a long time. I mean, and there is really obviously we have a front runner, but there's a lot of contenders for different reasons.
12: Yeah, and all of them are in the sprint now to get to that debate stage in August. It's going to be a feisty, very heated summer because you got to get to, you know, the RNC criteria, a certain number of donors, a certain number of, um, you know, polls that you're hitting at a certain number. So, um, you know, anyone getting in past this point, uh, it seems like it's going to be a very difficult climb. So they're in, they're going to fight it out all summer and do a few of them not make that stage, maybe, um, but then that gets you to the point where it's it's on in earnest does anyone chip away at president trump i don't know i mean 30 40 points up on most of the field um we'll see because it seems like the more legal trouble he gets in the better it is for him politically so
2: every time i watch the view i just to be entertained not informed and i was entertained (laughs) you You get
12: entertained by the view also i do
2: i i do it i say to myself that's going to sound great on radio it's the i mean it's (laughs) that's why i'm doing it it's too low brow to be on your show uh, but for this show, it's perfect. So Whoopi Goldberg worries about Donald Trump winning and then governing from prison. So she's got the perfect plan, cut 18.
13: What's
14: really starting to freak me out is the idea that we're not even discussing changing the Constitution to make it say you cannot be in jail oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. be well, the that,
10: president. Well- <laughs>
2: I, I, you know, I never thought we'd have to deal with this, but she is worried that he's going to be calling shots from jail or campaigning from there, like very similar to what Joe Biden did last time. He stayed in his house. He put himself on house arrest during the pandemic. So, <laughs> so do you think There's that Whoopi Goldberg can there. get that passed?
12: Listen, we all know, if you remember Schoolhouse Rock and thinking about your civics class, how hard it is to get a constitutional amendment approved. It is a very cumbersome, lengthy process, and you've got to get a lot of people to agree with you in you know, a lot of different states or do it on Capitol Hill. Either way, the numbers aren't there right now, but our framers gave us a way to do it if we feel like something of import needs to happen. Um, but all of these things, are they're, they are all possible, Um we're at a moment that we've never had before in history, so running um, from jail. I think we've had another candidate who actually ran from jail, but not anybody who's governed as president from jail.
2: Right. At least we know where he is all the time. But dev- Yeah, but,
12: I, but think about that. The Secret they, Service is going to have to be in jail with him, too, if he goes.
2: Like, for example, would they have the NATO meetings during his yard time uh, and have them meet him in the yard for that and don't hour? do you
12: get, like, limited Internet time? Would he be approved for this specific link to that meeting?
2: Exactly. Could he get the other inmates to lend them his call time so he could call other leaders, let's say, to get another trade I mean, for the
12: good of the country, they might be willing to do it.
2: So Joe Biden uh, didn't have the best week in the world. He's getting kind of angry, it seems, with these investigations and the questions when the fugue gets shouted at him to the point where he has to turn around. But he made some comments that I need a professional legal mind to analyze. You ready? Here's one. Cut 21.
3: I love when people say, "Well, why do we spend so much?" You realize that 26 out of every 100 students in grades kindergarten through 12 speak Spanish.
12: (laughs) No, think about it. What What in the
3: hell heck are we talking
7: about
2: here? Can you help me?
12: I'm confused. Mm. I missed a little bit in the middle. Was it me or was it not clear? <laughs> because I couldn't understand exactly. Let me, Although, let me go um, to the judges.
2: Allison, did you ever any understand what the middle meant? The answer is no. And Eric's okay. not talking to me now because I got my um, headset stuck
4: in the chair
12: celebrate all kinds of different people and places and uh, things. I mean, I grew up in Florida. It was mandatory that you took at least two years of Espanol before you graduated. And mine's terrible. Um, Mayama Shannon is about as far as I got. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I am a little confused. He's a little garbled sometimes. This is the kind of stuff why even Democrats say in poll after poll after poll, they don't have great confidence in him. They don't think he's the best candidate. They wish they had other alternatives. They sort of do. Um, but um. Um, That's coming from his own party. They feel like there is room for improvement.
2: Right. So on the other side, it seems as though his temper is getting a little short. In the beginning, when he got that question about did you ever take $5 million uh, from our Ukraine, his answer was really quick. And it was, where's the money if I took it? And then he said, it's all malarkey. And then he just gave a wry smile when asked another question about his family dealings and the investigations. And then this was the question that broke through yesterday in his meeting. Cut one.
4: Why did the Ukraine FBI the file refer to so you as the big guy Why uh, is that? Why did that a question?
2: So he said, why did they refer to you in the Ukraine as the big guy? And that was one of the because the big guys with Tony Bobolinsky said was a reference to him when it came to payments from Hunter's account. So he said, what a dumb question. He sounds a little short. Uh, Are we getting close? You know what it's like when people feel the pressure. Is -hmm. that Joe Biden just being Joe Biden or is he feeling the pressure?
12: Well, malarkey is a legal term. You may not know that, Brian. Did not know
2: that. Um,
12: you can plead no malarkey um, to your charges. Um, listen, he's not, he, at this moment, It's it, he can say there's no evidence out there that shows me connected to any of this stuff. Now, whether the House, you know, their investigations, whether Hunter's involved, whether his brother's involved, um, and, you know, also the issue of this ongoing investigation, we think we know the contours of this federal investigation um, involving Hunter up in Delaware. Four years, five years, that's been going on. So I feel like the president, First of all, feels confident that he didn't do anything wrong, but also feels like there's nothing breathing down on him as far as the feds are concerned. Now, whether the House stuff is starting to bother him, it seems like it is.
2: Right. And this does. And I tell you, James Comer, very good communicator, very dogged investigator. Cut three.
7: Why did Joe Biden volunteer during the end of the Obama administration to to fly around and and hand out foreign foreign aid checks and to talk about foreign policy? Uh, look, we, we tracked down the money in Romania J- less than two weeks after Joe Biden left Romania and Air Force Two. His family started getting wires through shell companies that were laundered back down to Biden's less than two weeks after he left Romania for four and eight. So everything we found in Romania is consistent with what this FBI 1023 form
2: alleges that the FBI had. And they're not getting the Biden family records They're going to the bank records of the businesses, because they thought the family records are going to be sanitized. They're right. So before I let you go and let you promo, I just want to get your take about what he just said.
12: Well, um, Comer, like you said, is dogged. Um, It's interesting to me that, you know, you had Senator Grassley out there this week talking about this 1023 form, talking about the fact that he said that there were um, recordings I thought it was interesting that Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, has uh, urged some caution on that, and Comer has as well. I think they feel like they have other avenues that are better for them to pursue that don't simply rely on this 1023, which is not corroborated in any way, but it does exist and was passed on to, according to Bill Barr, what he told me, you know, federal attorneys and investigators over in Delaware. So Comer's got his own path. And we'll see if it bears any fruit because, you know, the top ranking Democrat, Jamie Raskin and others say you've never proven anything. There's nothing there. Where's the there?
2: Well, well, even if they showed him it's there, he would say something different. He's doing his Adam Schiff impersonation. Uh, (laughs) OK, Shannon, would you give me an idea who's on your show? You don't have to be specific. You could talk
12: general. Okay, so a presidential contender is going to be on to talk about how they get to the stage uh, in August and why they're in the field. Okay. And a retired general is going to join us to talk about China and all of the shenanigans that are going on there. As You know, Secretary Blinken's over there trying to make our case. Are we weak? What's happening?
2: Right, and this show's going to start generally in the morning, Right. It
12: does. You can check your local listings. It reairs on Fox News Channel at two p.m. Eastern. But of course, Saturday night we're going to want to check in with you first. That's how I get my show prep done. Right.
2: So you have to promo my show on my show. That's pretty pathetic. That's bad. I on know. My I'm part. willing
12: to. It's a deal we've made, and I can live with it. All
2: right. Uh, and by the way, if you want to mention, uh, we are twelve hours ago. One Nation was just on. You want to do that as you come out of break?
12: Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Think just about in case that, folks. Go back and watch it.
2: Reverse promos. Reverse promise. Yeah, this exactly, is what you like missed. That.
12: If people, because if people have time machines, they'll be able to go back. And plus, them will know that those time machines exist.
2: Shannon Bream, she's the anchor of Fox News Sunday, and she's going to work around Sun sometime this weekend. I say Sunday. I see you Saturday. Go get him, Shannon Bream. Uh, Jimmy Fail is next, and then Tyrus.
1: Don't move. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in in, in, in Angola one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble.
2: <laughs> no, no, you you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, by the way, you are the president, Mr. President. Jimmy Fallon's here, Fox Course America. He just got a globe out. He's like, where is the Indian Ocean, and can I take a train there? What is he talking about? And finally, those solo panels are ready to go in Angola. We discussed that in the lunchroom the other day, right? Jimmy, what's going on with this?
14: Well, the last guy I'm asking for directions is the guy who gets lost leaving a speech. That's true. Isn't that amazing? Joe Biden's the only president who takes more time to leave a speech than he does to give one. I never I, thought about I, that. I hope the band that plays Hail to the Chief gets overtime, because traditionally, you'd play the song once a day. Right. It's These a- guys are on seven, eight reps a day. That poor trumpet player.
2: So, Jimmy, you have your show coming up shortly, but (laughs) you also have to this is very exciting Saturday night.
14: Yo, this is a big deal. What are you doing? I hadn't announced it because I wanted to give the network time to come to their senses. But tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, Fox News, Saturday night. It's the all new show they launched on the weekend. It's a cast of rotating hosts. This is my week to host. So I'm busting out big guns. I got Dog the Bounty Hunter. Is coming through. Lincoln Fail is going to be there, my 14 year old kid. Uh, comedian Joey Coco Diaz is going to talk about UFOs. Okay. Mike Pence is giving me an exclusive on UFOs. Wow. And then I got a panel. Tudor Dixon's going to be in the house. And, you know, some comics, people but, like that. You're going to love it. She's an
2: aspiring TV personality. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, Right, absolutely. So I, I like to give you a little bit of news, and you could take this was your radio show or not. Love it. But Donald Trump, you knew, was going to respond to John Kelly, who said the president's glad Blankless about going to jail. He said, John Kelly pretended to be a tough guy but was actually weak and ineffective, born with a very small brain. He had a hard time functioning in a political world and was truly an exhausted, beaten man when I fired him. In the end, he was a mummy who sat in his office and stared at the ceiling. He was shot. I'll never forget how his very nice wife told me that John loves you and respects you more than anyone. He will always say the best things about you. Oh, well. So much for that. You see, the thing is, it's like I like Trump. I just wish he wouldn't hold back so much. Right. Like, well, how does he? How yeah, how let did, it loose. Pull the goalie, Don. Level with the American people. Be, so, you know, funny. John Kelly's been trending for three days because he said, "I know what the president thinks." Mm-hmm. He says he's a flawed individual. He went after him. So, does that show you that it bothered the former president?
14: Yeah, it did. He's uh he seems very irritable right now and for good reason. I mean, wow, uh it definitely does to me read like uh you know A bad example of prosecutorial discretion in that they're charging him and they didn't charge, say, Hillary Clinton. We don't really know what they have on Biden at this point, but we know it don't look good. Uh, But the point is, uh, in terms of him sharing documents as a senator and a vice president, yes, it looks very egregious. But the point is, even so, if they're serious enough to indict him, they're not doing it because they don't want to win the case. And I think that reality is setting in now is that this isn't the Mueller probe. Like the Mueller probe, he was pretty confident throughout – Talked a lot of smack because he knew it didn't collude with Russia. Okay? He very well may have sloppily showed some documents here. And if that rises to the standard of a conviction, he does have a big problem.
2: Right. It would be a problem. But I would say this. In the big picture, if Jimmy Fallon was doing that, mm-hmm. they'd go, we'll just put him away for life. Oh, yeah. Right? No yeah because he has the Iranian plans. We told him not to take it home. Yeah. And he took it home anyway. Yeah. Do you, by the way, do you have uh, the Iran Tac plan? Well, yeah,
14: it's funny you say that because as a former New York City ta- taxi driver, there's no question. I know guys that are Iranian spies and stuff like that. You did, you picked
2: them up. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm not. You know, loose lip sink ships, Kilmeade. But but they flipped his attorney. <laughs> They say that could be a problem. They also evidently put the heavy hand on a lot of the witnesses. That could be a problem. You start throwing that stuff out, and it's game on.
14: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They want the guy, and he knows this. This is a different thing. I don't think the Alvin Bragg thing bothered him. That was a joke. Okay, I think in this instance, it's unprecedented. But I don't think on some scale it's not without merit, meaning if they're flipping attorneys, it's because they believe they had something to lose by
2: sticking with them. So that's so, crazy. So Whoopi Goldberg wants a constitutional amendment to stop him in case he wins from being president <laughs> in jail. Would you support that or would you fight back No chance. That? If he
14: can win from jail, he deserves to lead the country. In jail. That's the ultimate indictment of a lack of faith in the people running this country. Right. Okay, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to, and that's why at this point anyone else but him right. would have been eliminated from contention at this point.
2: Now, would you turn down being a running mate because you don't want to stay in prison with him?
14: Uh, no, I love the slogan, make license plates
2: great again. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Hey, Jimmy, have a great show, and good luck Saturday night at 10 Eastern. Rock and roll.
1: radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. If a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, Mm -hmm. I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of Racism in the society, and we need to do something about that.
2: So, that's just a clip from the David Axelrod podcast with President Obama talking about race. And right away, he brings up I didn't listen to the whole thing, and David Axelrod, I think, does a really good job on that, by the way. I don't listen to the whole thing, but he went right to Tim Scott, who, Trey Gowdy, I just watched him on television. He said he made no effort through eight years to get to know Tim Scott as a congressman or a senator. So, why take shots at him now he's running for president? He's always available a phone call away. Um Tyrus, uh, Tyrus is with us now, Fox Nation host. You just saw him on uh, Gutfeld last night, and I'm sure he's going to be all over the channel today. I saw you this morning with uh, Dana Perino. Was it Dana yep. Perino? Yep. So Tyrus, your thoughts before we really get into um, should I get a tattoo or not? Uh, your I'm going to say no. Okay. Your thoughts about what President Obama just said.
13: You know, I listened to most of the interview, and I was really disparaged by it. You know, I find taking a shot at Tim Scott, forget just the, the – the brother thing but it was just it was unnecessary you know obama bothers me and i voted for obama twice and i have no problem saying that i voted for president trump twice so i, I vote for who i choose i feel is the best fit what bothers me is his complacency through all of this stuff um we've seen with bidens and and for him to jump in and go after Tim Scott, basically saying that, and, and there pol- was a polite diss saying that you have no idea what's going on, like you're a spoon-fed brother who has no clue. I, I that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. It's I not think the fact. It's not the fact. And and you want to talk about disparaging and and um, there was a time in 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 my community since we got to do that now, in the African American community where we were thriving and doing well, and 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 grandparents weren't afraid of their grandchildren and we had two parent families and the, the drugs in the community has destroyed it and some of our own leadership has not helped. So, and that, but that's across the board. You see it in white communities too. Poor is poor. Drug, drug doesn't know a color. Those things don't know colors. And to, to make it that to where Tim Scott doesn't have a pulse of what's going on, uh, it's shameful, and, and I've, I've always defended him. You know that. I'm always quick to be like, hey, hey, chill out. But on this one, he was, as we would say, out of pocket.
2: So uh, what, what time was that when you felt as though the, the African-American family was doing better than it is now?
13: Well, we certainly during, uh, after the Jim Crow era, during the Jim Crow era, black families were working hard. They were doing uh, with actual real racist barriers in front of them. You yeah, get thriving, to the back the of the bus, you can't, you can't yeah. sit at the counter. They were dealing with real things. You can't eat in this restaurant. So they built their own restaurants. They built their own families. Like, they did their own communities. So uh, up until, I would say, the, the 70s and probably the late 80s, right. when, when drugs became a, a, were poured into our neighborhoods, and, and that's when we started to see uh, the, the bad crime. And, and just And now it's just this entitlement to where we're excusing the bad behavior. And, you know, a lot of the systems in place by Democratic government has hurt the black man trying to be a father. You know, if you're trying to get housing and you're poor, the the woman can get housing with the children. If the if the man moves in, they lose the they lose the funding. So even the systems that you were in charge of, you had eight years to do something about this and nothing was done. So now you're going to say he has no idea what's going on. He was never driving the ship. And I and it doesn't I don't like I don't like saying this. Because people like to pile on in this vicious time we live in right now. But, like, you were driving the ship. What changes did you make? With, to 60, the votes to the with yeah, 60 votes in the with Senate. With 60 votes in the Senate. With the welfare system, with the housing system, to where young families together could get the housing and the stuff. I mean, I, can, I had friends who literally would be staying on my, uh, in my apartment because they couldn't go stay with their girl and their two kids because they weren't married. And if they were married, she wouldn't qualify for the housing. Now he was still in school. He's working at Hardy's, he's working in the school cafeteria. He's doing his part. He's not out selling drugs, being a thug. He was trying to do the best he could, but still they didn't make enough money to make ends meet and take care of his children. And on top of that, he had the state all over him for child support.
2: So what he's saying now, and he's not the guy that spoke in Philadelphia after the Reverend Wright controversy who said how we have to come together to yep. different time. we've made great progress, and he wins the election, and he always talks about the miracle in Iowa. According to reports, Iowa is mostly white. Yep. And then New Hampshire, he killed it, and then we saw what he did, and then he wins uh, even easier the second time around. I would think that he could use that example, say America's not perfect, but man, Look at me. Look at yeah. my story. Single parent family. Never met my met my dad twice my entire life. Nope. I watched my mom working two or three times. I saw my grandfather have to pitch in and they found a way to get me to Occidental. Then I got Ivy League and then I became I walked away from a I walked away from a, a law firm which was gonna give me a great living to become a uh, a A community organizer and walk in, in Chicago in the winter into these the churches, these black churches, and try to sell them on who I could be and what I can do. That's a great story that was a bestseller you know my my own story. I met my dad
13: once, once, you know and 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 I didn't need to meet him twice, you know, but along my road, the hands that reached out to me that opened doors for me. They were all colors. There were men and women. Uh, so that when I when I hear this polarizing attack on on race, and it seems just like now you can blame white people for any problem you have in the world, and that's just an easy out right now. And to to go back to saying that Tim Scott doesn't know, right? I, I just feel like his problem, my problem with Obama is his complacency. And you and I were talking about you know looking back now as we see the landscape as it is, uh, there was an opportunity for him to say something that would have changed all of this to stand up and say the reason why he didn't want Biden to run at the end of his presidency. There was a reason for that. It, it wasn't. And now we know what it was. It wasn't the, it, morning, Bow. It wasn't morning, Bow. It wasn't. Uh, it had had everything to do with what we're seeing with the bribery, the trips, the his own agenda. So he knew, and I guess his answer was to be complacent was he just won't run. So I did my part. Uh, Obama needs to do more, and now right. and you could bring the country together. It might, it might not, but they're so worried about stopping Trump that they've become what they supposedly hate—the monster that they've made Trump into.
2: Right. They've become that and more. So, uh, a couple of things. I want to follow up on the Tim Scott thing. He he went ahead and did uh, tax reform, and one thing he told President Trump he's like, "I need these opportunity zones." Hundreds of millions of dollars where the private sector rebuilds working class communities, impoverished or underprivileged communities. He did want to build it to a point where they no one can afford it. A lot of them go in and they make the neighborhood so nice, the people that were trying to help can't afford to live exactly. there. So he did that. He brought over $100 million or $100 billion into this area. It began to thrive. He said, I want to see a plan. If they are sincere Republicans, I want to see a plan. OK, excuse me, Mr. Criteria. He rolled out his bio first. Then he's going to roll out things in a, a system. Systematic way. Number two, you could actually say he had an impact with the last administration and he did. You have to at least mention the opportunity zones or the problem you've done with it or you didn't do your research. Not to mention, look what he attempted to do with police
13: reform. He brought something to the table and because it had a Republican stamp on the end of his name, they wouldn't work with him. So who is the one with the real problem? Who is the one? That, what group is the one that doesn't have a pulse on what's going on in our communities? I feel like Tim Scott has a great. The only issue I have with Tim Scott is I'd like him to be a little mad a little bit. I know. You know, I'd like him to be like, hey, you know, you know, maybe you got go to go a little half-baked movie. In some of these cases, F you, F you, you're cool. I'm Tim Scott. Am I, I'm out.
2: It might come. Yeah, I mean, it know, might come, but I, I worry he's almost too good for politics. If and, you spend some quality time with him, I, I get worried that I almost embarrass some of the questions that are thrown at him.
13: His temperance and his, his resolve, I think, is going to take him far. Uh, I still think it's Trump's uh, election to lose in terms of for the Republican Party, but Tim Scott would make a phenomenal VP. So
2: let me just tell you this. Uh, yesterday, I'm doing the 8 o'clock show all week, and I when Tim Scott's in the news, just like The View, The View's a blessing. When they call you out and you can go do that national show, you become the national news. Obama gave him a break yesterday by bringing him up. Yep. All of a sudden he gets elevated. And, and he's the greatest guy. I'm texting him. They go, yeah, he's a little busy. He's got events. I go, we will send a camera to his event, turn around, face your audience, whatever it is. Right. Walk outside. You get 3 million people. Well, they have the show three times. And they go, yeah, no, he's booked up. And I go, that's a dumb, dumb ass decision You're, to not yeah. do the show. But Just then again, he's the a victim of
13: his own humbleness, you know. Because I'm going to be honest, if, uh, coming from Barack Obama, who is arguably uh, the greatest black politician, he, he rose and became president, very talented. So, so, but for him to throw shade to another brother coming up because he's on, he has a different belief in terms of size of government, I, I just think is, is shameful. So, Argue him on the merits.
9: Yeah.
2: Leave race out of it. So I want you to hear what Tim Scott did say on Mark Levin's show, uh, Cut 13.
10: And I will tell you, the one thing the far left does not want a black person to be in this country is a conservative. It is possible Preach. for America to come together, but not because of the color of our skin, but because of the consistency of our value system,
2: and he went on, but but basically, nope. is it? It's like you have an opportunity here. Why are you taking me down? Well, but that's the thing that they want to
13: push that. But uh, I'm still a guy who who does his own shopping, goes to the barbershop, shop, goes to the gym, and uh, most of the brothers I meet are like, you keep doing it. So as a as a conservative brother, which has nothing to do with the color of my skin, it. I don't get no one. No one's like, I'm not shaking your hand, bro. I don't have an issue with you. The one thing I was getting for a long time was, hey, man, especially by a lot of uh, brothers in, in entertainment, be like, hey, man, I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, you want to come on the show? Uh, no. No, I don't because I don't want to lose my acting gigs. You know, And that's probably the, the, the problem is, is that black men in particular, whenever we take a stand on individually in power and being a, being a Republican is that you believe in capitalist, doing it your damn self, keep the government off my back, and keep my taxes manageable, and that's independence. And right. whenever we're independent and powerful like that, the Democrats have a real problem with it. But they don't attack us on merit. They don't give me the give me the debate why I should be a Democrat. Let me hear. Let me hear the sales pitch. No, no, no. My blackness is taken away from me. Well, you you, you're should... not black. You lose your blackness. So what does that? So what do I get then? I get a tax break for that? No. Right. They always want to attack us there because you can't argue with nonsense. Let's talk about the issues. No one's ever asked me that has an issue with me being conservative. Why? It's just, um, uh, you know, they like to use the, the Uncle Tom and the sell. How am I selling out by being a leaving in capitalists and capitalist and want to protect mine and enrich my family?
2: Right. I just think you get off conservative and you get off liberal and you just talk about capitalists. Yes. That would solve a lot of problems. I want to compete. Yeah. And then um, I would like to give more of my money to social programs. I like to live less and decide where I want my money to go. But we have to get back to appreciating capitalism. It seems to have been taken out. Of the schools, which is nuts to me, because that's the thing about America. We need to compete. We don't need to win every time. But by competing, we all get better. But again,
13: the three greatest teachers are failure, loss and sorrow. You've got in pain. You've got to go through those. you got to graduate to get especially to become a young man to become a man in this but in anything those failures is what you build off of what the democrat it's a it's a polite racism is what I call it is they're basically saying you can't compete so we're going to make you all status quo you're all going to get a trophy for participation because you can't do it without us well, and that drives me insane but
2: institutional racism is keeping you down and you're the exception they told tim scott he's the exception he's not the exception
13: he's not the there are Tim Scott's all over this country. Millions of us. He, they're just not in politics. Some of them are teachers, doctors, yeah. lawyers, professional athletes who use their, their body and work their asses off in the gym and sacrifice to get where they are. We're everywhere. The problem is they try to convince us it's not. It's just like people try to convince us that Twitter represents America. It doesn't. It's 10% of
2: 10%. I hear you. Uh, more with in just a moment. And then we're going to get an exclusive on your next live show. Is yep, that correct? Sure. Yep. You will not tell anybody in the break. You'll save it no, for my audience. No. Well,
13: I usually talk to the people in the break because you're, yeah. you're usually running around because you're like four other jobs. Right. During I, the break, I yeah. do.
2: Have, we're doing the You've got to watch the 8 o'clock show tonight, right? Of course. And yeah. thanks so much for helping me out this yeah, week. Yeah, I got you. Right. Yeah. That was good. Sorry about that size 3 make, joke. Yeah, that really hurt. I'm sorry. Back in a moment.
1: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Hey, we're back. And by the way, I'll be on, uh, don't forget, Saturday night at 8, One Nation. And tonight at 8, I'll uh, doing Fox News tonight. Tyrus, kind enough to help me out. Tyrus, you do this great stage show. And yep. I know you love it. And I couldn't believe how many dates you have. Do you remember the dates off the top? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be next? Okay,
13: so um, I will be in, I know uh, I'll be in Billings, Montana. And I got two shows in Montana, and I'm really excited about because I purchased land in Montana about uh, three years ago. Really? Yeah. I got 21 acres just off of Bear, Bear Claw Mountain. Bear Tooth or Bear Claw. Is there anything there? Nothing. That's the cool part. I even can name my own streets. It's nothing. So when I make wow. my exit strategy... Like, it'll be a rotary phone. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Once I step outside to go wrestle with bears and ride bison for the day, you're not going to find me. Like, when I'm off the grid, you're going to need to have one of your teams. Did you need a realtor
2: to buy this plot of land? So, uh,
13: again, this is the wonderful thing about Fox News fans. So I made a joke on Gutfeld about moving to Montana. And literally within, uh, there was a message on Instagram like, hey, we don't usually sell land. So Mel Gibson had bought, I believe it was like 189 acres. In this area. And eventually, uh, some financial issues or whatever, he sold it back to the people, and they weren't going to sell it. And they were willing to sell me a 21 acre spot of it. Wow! So I'm and my backyard is is a na- is the national park. Are you so kidding? No neighbors. No loud neighbors. No no lousy just kids. Just cougars
2: and just bison.
13: cougars and bears. And you know what? It's straight up. You leave me alone. I leave you alone. You know. And if and if something goes wrong, I got a and chance. So you
2: booked a stage show in Billings so you could visit I your land? Tra-
13: well, I'm taking my kids on tour with me. Lord help me. Uh, but I'm trying to teach them. They all have to work and have a job. But uh um. I'm going to be in uh, my Kearney, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. I'm going to be in Arkansas. Um, I'll be in uh, Fresno, California. I'll be in uh, – I got a couple of – I got a t- – man, we're we're everywhere. You can check it out on my Linktree on my social media for the stuff. Most of the shows are just about sold out. What do you mean on Linktree? Uh, have? I have a Linktree app on my uh, on my Twitter and my Instagram, and uh, you can just click my Linktree, and it will okay. have all the events coming up. It all also right, thanks. That's fan- the plug for my new book too. So. Wow,
2: that's fantastic. When's the book out?
13: The book comes out in November, just in time for Christmas. What day? Uh, I believe we're gonna go November, I think it was twenty second or something like that.
2: All right. So I have Enough two weeks said. without tires. So I'll have two weeks if I don't get to the top of the list. No, oh, no, no. I'm and sure I'll be on a monitor
13: a... somewhere because even when I'm home, I'm working. All right. you know, I'm always working. I'm not no. I'm not quite kill meat. Right. I'm not kill me, but I'm doing the Tyrus thing because you never don't work. You're you're more diversified. Yeah. And then when you go home you gotta cut the grass. You got you got work to do. Like do you, when do you okay, Father's Day is coming up. Is your gift leave me alone? No.
2: I, I like. I mean, to me, I don't. my My biggest, my biggest worry would be free time. So when I got in last night at ten ten, first thing I did is to grab two to the dog, two of the three dogs, one's right. having problems, and I took them for a walk. Came back, handled the garbage, but then I was ready to go to bed. So I felt that contributed something to my. So house. if
13: I was going to torture you, I would just put you in a room with no sound. That'd
2: be terrible. With nothing to do. Nothing you, to do. You, you tell me all the secrets. Right. I would I would have to get in touch with my thoughts. Okay,
13: speaking of secrets, so when is that when are you gonna start working on that book? Because I'm excited about it.
2: No, it's November eighth, it's out. Okay. Uh, I, it's in. I got one I have to uh, I handed my version of the prologue and I'm gonna make sure the editor is okay with it. So I should know by the end of the week, but I wanna got another they gave me another seventy pictures of Booker T, about twenty of which have never been seen before at Tuskegee. So it's gonna be Teddy and Booker T. But when I saw these pictures, I said, Hold on. Take a look at this. And one we found just Teddy at Tuskegee without Booker T. But I still want to use it. That's yeah, how, it, as you should,
13: right? See, I love, I love your your history lesson books, man. Like if yeah. you haven't, if you have a broad understanding of our history, right. any one of your books, like you and Brett Barrett's, like neck and neck. But okay. I gotta give you the advantage. Why? Because, because you, he's not here. No, no, because
2: you bring me on the show more. <laughs> Absolutely. What he would—he put you on the panel in a second. Oh, he did. The only
13: thing he did to me when he was talking about my book, he took the glasses off on me, and I legit panicked. Tyrus, when
12: thanks the bed, so much. When the glasses come off.
13: The...
0: Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music
10: with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.